Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, hey. This is exciting stuff, no? This is LTE, a podcast by the RG Opinion page. I'm Brendan O'Meara. Hey, hey. Thanks for tuning in. The goal of the show is to take a slightly deeper dive on content that appears on the page or online. For the first rodeo, I talked to Amanda Astor. She's a forester and a contributor to these here pages. In this episode, we unpack the guest view she recently wrote a couple weeks ago. You can find that at registerguard.com slash opinion. Why wait? Here's my conversation with Amanda Astor. I'm uh, the Southwest Oregon Field Forester for the American Forest Resource Council. So I cover all of Southwest Oregon's federal timber program. So for the Bureau of Land Management and for the Forest Service. And I got really interested in working in the woods uh, back where I grew up, which is in Minnesota. I went on a hiking trip, a backpacking trip, uh, when I was really young, maybe nine or ten, and just fell in love with the woods. I loved being out there. It was so beautiful and I wanted to know more. So first I thought about kind of the science side of the forest and got really interested in biology and uh, kind of natural sciences. And when I got a little bit older, I started thinking about jobs, mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as most people do, or should at least. And uh, there's a lot of jobs in the forest sector. So being a forester, and that could be managing forests. It could be uh, working with wood products. There's a ton of jobs in that sector. And so I got really interested in how do we do things right by the land in the forest, and how does that coordinate or uh, connect to our human environment as well. Mm. So what did the, uh, maybe your preconceived notions of what forestry was um, when you got into it? And like, how did that change as you became more educated about how diverse and broad an industry that is? Yeah, I was definitely a tree hugger in the in my younger years. So before I really knew anything, I just wanted to be a voice for the trees. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I learned about the science and the economics of forestry, I got more interested in managing and on the kind of applied science side of trees, uh, being being the voice for the environment and for uh, the economy as well, which is how I got to be where I am now. Mm-hmm. Are you still, uh, would you still consider yourself a tree hugger or have you rel- relinquished some of that grip? <laughs> I would say I'm still a tree hugger. I still love the woods. I still want to do right by the land. Uh, none of that's gone away. You know, my emotions yeah. are all still there. Uh, they've just been uh, focused, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I also wanted to unpack the, the the latest piece that you had written as a as a guest view, um, but with the managed forest, I think people see this as a euphemism for clear cutting. Mm-hmm. And I, I, maybe you can unpack what that means. What managing forests 
means from from your definition. That way you can kind of uh, maybe elucidate people a bit more, certainly myself. Yeah, so when I talk about managing forests and even further that by saying active management uh, of forests, what I mean is uh, looking at the environment, not just looking at it as the trees, but as the entire forest, you know, forests aren't just aren't just trees. We've got wildlife and water as well. But uh, when we manage a forest, uh, what what we're doing as foresters is we're looking at that entire ecosystem, thinking about the diverse benefits that we as humans get from that environment and animals in the environment itself, and trying to make it better. So uh, there's a job called a silviculturalist, and you can think of that as kind of a forest doctor. Mm. So they actually write what's called prescriptions, just like a doctor would. They have the current condition of the land, and then they have their desired condition. And their job is to write a prescription to try to get it from that current condition to that desired condition. And that's all based on uh, what outcomes are necessary for that land, what land use allocation, or what land area has been designated uh, for its use. So it could be you know, recreation driven, it could be timber production driven, it could be. They, they take that into consideration for what that desired outcome is going to be and try to develop uh, that plan or that prescription. And in silviculture, we like to say it's the art and science of forestry. Mm. So it really isn't just a science. We have to have some art and creativity in there to get to that end result that we want as well. And there's another part that, that you wrote too. You said uh, you know, one recent study found that actively managed forests store more carbon than unmanaged forests in trees and soil even when those forests have been harvested multiple times. So uh, my, my question to you is just, uh, you know, how? How do they, you know, store more carbon when it, on the surface it would seem like it, it, it doesn't? From one side, there's the health of the forest. So an unmanaged forest might be less healthy because it could have too many trees or what we call too much density. So too many, too much stuff out there. And that can make the trees more susceptible to insects and disease. Uh, They might uh, have more stress for drought because there's more trees and they're competing for the resources that each one of those trees need. So when we actively manage the forest, we might take some of those out and allow for more of those resources to get to those other trees that we leave. And usually we're going to be taking out those more unhealthy trees, the ones that have what we call poor form, so they may not look like a triangle. They may have a forked top. They may have two tops on them. There might be branches broken out uh, or a plethora of of other things that we look for when we're trying to uh, make a forest more healthy. So from one aspect, when you're uh, consistently managing the forest and and getting in there and making it more healthy, you're inevitably going to sequester more carbon into those trees because they're going to be much stronger. So they're going to be able to photosynthesize a lot better than than if those trees were unhealthy. That's kind of the one side of the spectrum. In addition, we have what's called the uh, harvested wood products pool of carbon. So when we cut down trees or we remove trees, we harvest trees and we make those into products, those those products are actually going to be about half of that dry weight is going to be carbon. And so that carbon is going to be stored for the uh, length of time that that product is in use. And thankfully, in Oregon here, we're the number one producer of softwood lumber and of plywood. 
So those two products are uh, primarily what we're making here in Oregon. And both of those products are what we typically use in building. And buildings can be around for a really long time, which is fantastic for the the storage potential of those trees. So you've got the storage, the carbon stored there in those products. Now on the flip side, we're looking back at the forest. Well, you've got those trees that are already there that we may have left, and you've got new seedlings starting to uh, come up as well that either we planted or were reestablished through natural regeneration. When I say that as we manage forests, they actually will store more carbon or sequester more carbon than an unmanaged forest, it's Again, because you're going to have more healthy trees that are taking more carbon dioxide in and growing quicker and um, putting on more biomass than if they uh, had been in that dense state. Plus, you have all that carbon that's stored in the harvest products pool. So that's going to be there forever. Hmm. Uh, So in that way, when we manage the forest, we actually are going to have more carbon coming out of the atmosphere than if we just left it alone. Hmm. What's some of the the pushback you experience from environmental groups that that don't want to see any of this this kind of forest management or or certainly clear cutting? Yeah. So some of the pushback, as you can see in my op ed, uh, talks about the you know it's not the want to eliminate logging or eliminate the. Uh, forest products industry, it's that the there's a difference in opinion on how we should be managing the woods. So a lot of the pushback comes not from, uh, not necessarily from uh, not wanting to manage the land, but do it in a different way. And so when we look at that, part of the, uh, the problem is that we are not actually doing enough, especially on our federal lands. When we look at the the federal lands, actually, uh, most of the wood that we harvest here in Oregon, at least, comes off of the private lands. But most of the ownership of forest lands is in the federal agencies. It's kind of backwards if you think about it. So we're harvesting more on an area that has less land, but we're uh, and we're harvesting less in an area that we have a lot of it. And uh, it'd be great if we could even that out a little bit. Right. So mm-hmm. maybe have um, treatments that are a little bit heavier in one place and maybe even a little bit lighter in other places. Unfortunately, that's not how the world works. And economics exists. Capitalism exists in our uh, in our society. And we can't just pretend like it doesn't. <laughs> right. Um, and so when we uh, think about kind of that pushback of why do we do it this way or, or can't we do it this way? Uh, we're always open, and, and the federal agencies especially should always be open to, to those alternative perspectives. But at the end of the day, where the rubber meets the road is whether or not we can economically and feasibly do what we need to do in the woods. Because the, the companies that I represent with AFRC, you know, they have a bottom line. They can't do things voluntarily. They're for-profit businesses. So if they can't do something and make money off of it, then it's really hard to get that thing done. And when our environment needs that management, and a lot of the environmental groups understand that there is some management that needs to happen out there, like I said, especially with the fires that we've been seeing and uh, now California is burning up again and we even have some more fires now. We, uh, we need to make sure that we're thinking about things in an economic uh, and feasible way. Uh, and so that's why some of the heavier treatments are necessary. 
And I know we stand to learn learn a lot from from your perspectives here. And as you progress and and submit and write more more stuff for the guard, uh, what are you know what are some things that what are some goals that you're looking to accomplish uh, with with your writing and uh, to you know just from from your perspective in forestry, what are some of those things you're hoping to 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 bring to the table? Yeah, I think um, one thing that I'm really that I really want to do is bring us back to science. So there's a lot of opinion out there, and there's a lot of emotion when it comes to the forest, and and I get that. Yeah. I love the forest too, and I want to see it there forever. And thankfully, we have some great laws that make sure that our forests stay forested. And I want to try to help educate people just about basic forestry 101 talk about some of the terminology get us a basis of understanding about what forestry is what we do in the woods and then uh, start to dive into some deeper topics because you know my my piece um, in the register guard uh, my recent piece talked a lot about climate change and carbon dioxide but without some of that basis of knowledge it's really hard to dive into those complex uh, topics without um, first really understanding that terminology. Fantastic. Well, the the piece that your most recent piece that you know it can be found at registerguard.com slash opinion under the guest views and the columns. So uh, people can go find that and uh, dig that up and uh, get reacquainted with uh, Amanda's work. But thanks for jumping on. You're going to be the very first guest of this podcast. So thanks so much for coming on, coming on this show. And I can't wait to do this a, a lot more going forward. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to doing this again soon. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Thanks for listening, friend. Remember to visit RegisterGuard.com for letters, columns, and editorials. Keep the conversation going on Instagram at RegisterGuard underscore opinion. Subscribe to the show so you'll be ready for the next one of these things. If you have a letter you want to submit, send us an email, rgletters at registerguard.com. Be sure to include that phone number and mailing address. If you have a guest view you'd like to submit, five to seven hundred words, email me, bomera at registerguard.com. That's B-O-M-E-A-R-A at registerguard.com. So, until next time, this has been L-T-E.